Welcome back to the Investing on the Go podcast. This week, we're considering the role of commodities in the world's transition to net zero, as well as how commodities fit into a wider investment portfolio. In this interview, Darius sits down with the co-managers of the BlackRock World Mining Trust to discuss the opportunities in mining and metals companies and how it's positioned to tap into a number of global trends. I'm Darius McDermott from Fund Calibre, and today I'm joined by the co-managers on the elite-rated Black Rock World Mining Trust. That's Evie Hambro and Olivia Markham. Good afternoon and welcome to you. Good afternoon. So this is our first um, chat on podcast about this particular trust. Maybe we just do a fairly gentle introduction and tell us what types of metals and miners that you invest in. Um, I think the first thing to remind everybody with regards to the BlackRock World Mining Trust is that we don't actually invest in metals. Uh, We invest in the companies um, that produce those commodities. And as such, we are exposed to moves in the underlying commodity prices um, as uh, those companies sell their production uh, and they get exposure to rising and falling prices. And that influences their profitability. So commodity equities uh, act a lot like the underlying metals, but have a higher degree of sensitivity to those moves. Um, and so that's what we've done throughout the trust's history going back to 1993. We do have the flexibility to invest in commodities via futures contracts. But that's only a very small part of what we do. And it's where we, where we are unable to find value uh, in the underlying uh, equities. Uh, or the shares uh, of those companies. In terms of the mix um, that we're exposed to, what we try to do is to generate a superior total return through the mining cycle. So that's the investment objective of the trust. And that's made up of a combination of income uh, as well as share price appreciation from the investments that we have in the portfolio. And so we try and optimize the mix of commodities to meet our expectations with regards to where those prices are likely to trend. Today, we have a large exposure to copper, uh, and I know we'll talk about this later, but it's likely to be a significant beneficiary uh, of the move to net zero uh, in the global economy. We're exposed to other commodities that are also going to be beneficiaries of this trend, like steel, iron ore, nickel, some of the commodities that are going into batteries, um, such as lithium, uh, which is going to be a a big beneficiary of the move to electric vehicles. Uh, We also have exposure to precious metals as well, commodities like gold, silver, uh, and the platinum group metals as well. And and you touched briefly on income, because I know you made a or the board made a change to this trust a number of years ago. This does actually, unusually, I think, for commodity vehicle, uh, has a stated income target. Would you just quickly touch on that, please? Yeah, so we, we don't have a stated income target, but what we do is we have an income policy where we will distribute all of the, uh, or substantially all of the income generated in any 12-month period. And our goal Um, driven by the the objective of of delivering a superior total return, uh, is to maximize the income potential of the portfolio. And the reason why we made that change in 2011 is because when we looked back in history at the resources sector, um, in nearly all circumstances, the largest component of total return comes from income. And therefore, if we can maximize the income from the portfolio, that would give us a really good chance of meeting the investment objective uh, of the trust. We have four different sources 
uh, of income uh, inside the portfolio, ordinary dividends, um, special dividends, which are in a paid in addition to the ordinary dividends when the companies are doing well. We invest in the bonds that are issued by resource companies and where we can borrow at a lower cost than the companies are paying us. We capture the difference between the two. We make occasional use of options to sell uh, volatility uh, out to the market. Uh, this sector is, as most people know, very volatile. Uh, and some people are prepared to pay a high price uh, for that volatility. And because we are naturally exposed to that by being fully invested, it's an opportunity to, to get income um, from that. Uh, and, the, and then we also, uh, in, in, into kind of the last components of that, we invest in royalty companies, which I know we're going to talk about a little bit later yeah. on. But these are companies that are directly exposed to commodity prices without uh, operating costs. And by diversifying the income, we have historically been able to deliver a superior yield to the underlying sector. Yeah, that's really interesting. I, I know when we, we talked about this before uh, at the end of last year, that, that was a real differentiator and um, I think of interest. So let's just touch on the different commodities that you invest in and how you judge what's going on in the economy to decide which metals to favour or, or or not to favour. and. Are there any sort of particular metals where you, that you hold throughout the cycle? Yeah, so this is um, this is a really interesting question. I think it's also important to remember that you know, when we're looking at the commodities, we also need to marry that up uh, with the commodity equities of the commodity companies. So we do have um, a broad exposure uh, to the commodities within the Black Rock World Mining Trust. Everything from the gold bulk commodities like iron ore and cloaking coffee using steel, you know, the base metals such as copper, aluminium, nickel, the precious metals, gold, silver, platinum, and then also onto the sort of the newer, uh, you know, quite interesting battery-related materials as well. And we are very dynamic uh, in the way that we, we move this around. So if we have a look at the portfolio today, the single largest commodity allocation we have currently is to copper. And, you know, we really like the outlook uh, for copper demand over the next 5, 10, 20 years, and it's all very much linked to the energy transition and the role that copper has to play in, in terms of uh, you know, electrifying uh, the world. But then similarly on the supply side, you know, this is an industry that's really struggled to bring new production into the market. So net-net, that points to a tight market for us that we like. Uh, we've also been very dynamic over the last couple of years um, in terms of our gold allocation. You know, if we look back to the summer of 2020, the significant uh, you know, debt issuance that we saw globally, uh, you know, that was a very good environment for gold. Uh, and we had you know, at close to 40% of the portfolio in gold-related equities at one point in time. Today, that's almost half that amount. So we are very dynamic in the way that we do that. Um, but essentially, you know, we want to ensure uh, that we provide a broad exposure to the commodities through the equities in order to maximise the total return from the sector. So to me, that sounds like two Ds, both diversified and dynamic, which I suppose we would we would we we, we would expect from a team with your your vast experience and knowledge. Now. We've just briefly touched on these royalties. So this is a new concept, I'm guessing, for most of our listeners. Maybe you could just give us a simple understanding of what these royalties are. Evie, I know you touched on them with respect to the overall income of the trust, but 
explain explain in a, a, a bit nice and simple language, if we can, uh, what, what actually that means. So in terms of, um, you know, royalties, um, you know, it is, for people who may not be familiar with this, it's actually quite um, easy to compare it to a standard music royalty. You know, if we look at royalties um, over mining assets, essentially you are receiving a set percentage of the revenue that's generated by an asset every year. Now, what drives that revenue? It's, it's directly the commodity price, the production, and then also how long that production lasts or how long you sell music royalties for. So there, there are a lot of similarities there. So it is providing um, direct exposure to a commodity price. And importantly, in the context of the mining sector, it does not have any exposure to cost or capital cost inflation. So it's a really nice exposure um, to, to, to clean sort of commodity prices. Um, in terms of um, the BlackRock World Mining Trust, uh, you know, today we have two direct royalty investments in the portfolio. We have a, a royalty over a copper and gold mine in Brazil. Uh, it's been a fantastic uh, return from the portfolio. Uh, and, and it's going to continue for many more years. And hopefully they will find more resources and it keeps continuing on and, and there is no additional capital required. Uh, and we also have a royalty over um, Vale's iron ore assets um, in Brazil. Now, there's another way you can also have royalty exposure within this sector. And this is through listed royalty companies who are essentially doing the same thing. They're investing in royalties but they are a listed company uh, that we can invest in as opposed to owning the royalty outright. A couple of different ways of getting exposure to that niche part of, of, of the commodity market. Harris, it's also, um, it's, it's also just a, one other additional thing to highlight with, with regards to royalties is that you, you asked earlier on about income. And I mentioned about how we've diversified our sources of income into four different areas. One of the great things about a royalty is a company can't turn it off. So when they're doing badly and commodity prices are low, mining companies often turn off their dividends. And there's plenty of examples of that. By, by us owning royalties in the portfolio, that allows us to smooth the income journey. So when the rest of the sector is doing it pretty tough, uh, we still have those royalties coming in, which allows us to, to complement uh, the income that we're generating from elsewhere. Yeah, no, really, really interesting. Now, obviously, mining is an extractive industry, and it would be inappropriate not to touch on um, some of the, the environmental risks, um, risks to people going down mines um, to, to, to extract those commodities. And I know the second part of that then is in the link to the electrification, which 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 you've touched on already. But maybe you could give us a a view as to how you look at the risks associated with extraction and just some observations on the sector and ESG generally and how you guys do it. Yeah, sure. I'm I'd be delighted to tackle well. And, and I think one of the things that you've mentioned in the question there is the big um, kind of contradiction in a way. Yeah, the mining sector uh, is producing the commodities that are going to be needed in near on essential uh, component of uh, the tools that we use to decarbonize the global economy. You know, you simply cannot achieve this decarbonization goal without commodities. So on the one hand, you've got an essential nature uh, to the activities that the companies are doing. And on the other side of the equation, you've often got, in some cases, a misunderstanding 
but sadly, too frequently, negative headlines that come out uh, about the activities of mining companies. And so therefore, we take it as our job uh, at BlackRock and obviously asked by the board of the Mining Trust um, to make sure that we are investing uh, in the best possible companies through time. Now, clearly, you know, you know things happen uh, and occasionally there are unfortunate events. Um, sometimes those unfortunate events have been created by, you know, um, un, you know, an unlucky situation, but also they can be created by mismanagement uh, of assets. Uh, and so the board of the, of the trust has asked us to you know, make sure that the ESG is embedded in our investment process. And yeah, that's one of the things we've been doing since the launch of the trust back in 1993. Uh, the combination of meeting with management teams regularly, uh, engagement with companies through our governance team, site visits to assets uh, around the world, allows us hopefully to avoid uh, most of the unfortunate events that can happen from time to time. Uh, and I think the other important part of this is for us as managers to make sure that where a company has made a mistake, it's our job um, to, to, to understand whether or not that is going to be resolved. Uh, if the investment um, that we're evaluating has a chance of recovering uh, through time, um, because management has put in place uh, a recovery plan, they put in place a cultural change inside an organization, they put in place a whole uh, bunch of rules and restrictions which would prevent this from happening in the past. Yet the shares are trading at a massive discount because of perceived ESG risk. That's one of the opportunities that we have to be able to back management when they're trying to do the right thing. Uh, and if that, if that does recover, then there'll be great return potential from A, the company doing a better job, and B, being rewarded for that with a higher share price uh, in the future. Uh, and so hopefully through our engagement, we're able to be part of that uh, recovery journey that some companies go on from time to time. Now, another part of this is, is with respect to batteries and electrification, which I find fascinating because you know, if we want to get to an electric vehicle fleet globally and other electric um, power sources, we, as you've rightly already said, we need big chunks of lithium and cobalt, et cetera. It, would you give us a little bit more on that, please? Yeah, I mean, um, Eddie's already alluded to some comments here, but I really think that we look at the theme around electrification, the energy transition, and move towards net zero. It just simply cannot occur um, without the commodities to enable it, and with that, obviously, uh, the mining sector. So it is a very important driver, both today but actually over the next you know, 5, 10, 20 years. Uh, for this sector, so when we think about the, the commodity that this is, the commodities that this is really impactful, it, it comes back to commodities like copper, you know, the battery-related materials of lithium, nickel, cobalt, you know, the rare earths that are used in magnets and electric vehicles. These are you know commodities that are going to see double-digit increases in demand over the next you know five years or so. Very, very substantial um, improvements in demand. Yet, you know, these are uh, uh, commodity markets, which today are quite small, particularly in the case of, of the battery-related materials. Mm -hmm. So we do believe that we're going to be in an environment where you know, prices need to be at an attractive enough level to continue to incentivize uh, new, new material in, into, into the market. Now, if we, if we think about um, these areas of what we would describe as green demand, so investment into renewables, electric vehicles, you know, the grid, solar, 
you take copper, you know, a very well-established large commodity market today, you know, that, that area of demand is going to, in and of itself, double over the next five years. Yeah? That's very, very substantial for a industry like the copper industry, which is struggling to bring on supply. So, you know, when you look at numbers like electric vehicles used four times in our copper and what internal combustion engines do, but 65% of the world's use of copper is all related to applications that deliver, deliver electricity. You can really see the key kind of underpinning role that the commodities are going to play in this transition. And I think that there is a degree of people underestimating the challenge uh, that this sector is going to have in terms of actually being able to meet the projected and the needed supply growth uh, over the next couple of decades. When you, you've just beaten me to my supplementary question because you're the expert. Do you think the mining industry has the ability to double that copper demand if we just stick with that one fact? I mean, doubling the commodity in a five-year well, as you say, you can't just click your fingers and have a copper mine tomorrow. It's, it, it's, it's a bit more complex than that. Yeah, it's, it's, it's doubling the use in those particular areas over the next five years. So not double so, the production, but double, double the use. No, so I think it's, it, the bigger challenge is going to be with some of these smaller, newer areas, particularly in the battery-related materials area. Um, I think, you know, when we take a step back from it, you know, we will, the industry is working very hard. We're going to see technical um, you know, advances, technological advances. Um, but I think, you know, when you step back from it, you know, we are going to have to remain in an environment where prices stay at a sufficiently attractive level uh, so that you know, all available material um, you know, is economic to, to bring into the market. And we should also add on this as well, this you know, you know, ESG uh, and, and the, the focus, rightly so, that the, the industry places on, on it makes it, an even greater challenge to bring new supply into the market. Yeah, absolutely fascinating. <clears throat> so maybe then just one final question to wrap up, and you might both have different opinions on this, but how do you see the trust fitting into a wider portfolio? What role does it play? And maybe there's an inflationary angle that you might want to mention, given inflation rates as we sit here in Q1 2022. Yes, absolutely. I'll have a, uh, a go at that. Um, I think, yeah, well, there's there's a, there's a number of ways of answering that question. Um, to me, uh, and maybe I'm biased because I've been exposed to this throughout my entire career, is I feel there's always a role um, for um, uh, exposure to commodities uh, within uh, a broader uh, portfolio. The reason for that is that um, they play an essential part of life. Um, you know, we can't live with higher standards of, of living. We can't industrialize other parts of the, of the globe. We can't bring people from below the poverty line to above it without the use of commodities. So as the world evolves and grows and develops, there is a, a greater use of commodities through time. And as Olivia said, you know, the challenge on production now is getting greater and greater every day. You know, the world's best and easiest and closest de uh, deposits have already been mined. They were probably mined hundreds of years ago. Uh, and now they're getting harder and harder with more complex jurisdictions, more challenging production techniques, and far greater amounts of money uh, going into their, into their development. So from a structural point of view, I think there's always a role. Uh, you mentioned inflation. Uh, in times of inflation, commodities always perform well, especially when inflation surprises um, to the upside. You know, they are an inflation beneficiary. Now, commodity equities um, give you an exposure um, to commodity prices, as we mentioned earlier on, uh, but they act like 
a leveraged way of getting exposure to those commodities. So if you're thinking that commodity prices are likely to rise, then a portfolio of commodity producers will likely outperform the underlying commodities. And the last thing that I've mentioned, and, that, and this is a, a relatively new one, uh, and we touched on it with regards to income, is that mining companies have been uh, for, for decades uh, characterized with poor capital allocation. Um, but what we've seen over the last kind of um, six years is we've seen them uh, doing exactly the opposite, instilling capital discipline into the way that they run their business, paying off all of their debt, um, and uh, returning surplus cash uh, to shareholders. Now, it's only been six years since they've really kind of bottomed out on this. It's been about 10 years since they started the kind of decline in, in, in reinvestment uh, back into their business. Um, but during that time period, they've really re-earned uh, investor trust. Uh, and I think it's fantastic that we're seeing this just at a time where we're going into, uh, as Olivia has said, and I totally agree with it, a multi-decade period of strong commodities demand. So the last point I've mentioned in terms of what role should they play in a portfolio is that they are going to be one of the biggest beneficiaries of this net zero uh, goal for the global economy. Uh, and so they do bring to your portfolio all of the characteristics that we've mentioned earlier on, plus exposure to the transition to a net zero economy. But they also come, and it's healthy for me to say this, uh, with a high degree of volatility. Uh, and so you shouldn't have all of your eggs in one basket, but there is always a role for exposure to commodities and commodity producing equities uh, in, a, in a broader portfolio. Every Olivia, thank you very much. That's absolutely fascinating, not just uh, about the trust, but about that transition um, to net zero and electric vehicles. No one knows what 2022 has in store for stock markets or central banks for that matter. Some might suggest holding gold as a hedge against central bank mistakes, which are a real possibility, or as we've just heard, use mining as a play to transition to a cleaner economy. To learn more about the BlackRock World Mining Trust, visit fundcaliber.com. And don't forget to like and subscribe to the Investing on the Go podcast for more episodes each week. Please remember, we've been discussing individual companies to bring investing to life for you. It's not a recommendation to buy or sell. The trust may or may not still hold these companies at the time of listening. Elite ratings are based on Fund Calibre's research methodology and are the opinion of Fund Calibre's research team only. 